Hello, everyone. I'm Geraldo Maglera, and welcome to another podcast episode of A Fit Life on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? My guest for today's show is an actor, director, and four-time Australian Auctioneer of the Year winner. He is the recipient of various international awards, including winning Australia's Top 5 Under 35, Best Actor at the American International Film Festival, Best Actor at the Beyond Hollywood International Film Festival, and winner of Best Director at the 2022 Cannes Film Awards. His film career started when he made a short film for $200 in a remote outback in Australia that went on to be a finalist in the NBC Universal Shorts Festival. Since then, he has gone to work on Oscar-nominated feature films and Emmy-winning television shows. We are honored to have him on our show today to talk about in more depth about his past achievements, his current projects, and what the future has in store for him. Therefore, without further ado, please help me welcome to A Fit Life, Mr. James Pratt. Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for the uh, the introduction. <laughs> it's so awesome to have you on the show, man. I've got a lot of questions to ask you, and uh, I want to dive right into it. But before I do so, I always have my guests uh, introduce themselves a little bit about talk about themselves a little bit. So please take it away. <laughs> I, I I think to to answer the question you mentioned just quickly, yeah. So I uh, I'm originally from Australia, but uh, moved over to Los Angeles, uh, and still can't seem to shake the accent uh, completely. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you so four time Australian RB auctioneer of the year, and uh, and my passion really, I love learning business, uh, filmmaking. So that's sort of where my day tends to be um, between making films and and uh, luxury real estate. Mm. So here's my first question. Um, you have achieved so much success. Like you said, the four-time Australian Auctioneer Warrior Award, Australian Top Final 35. How did it all start for you? Was this something you had planned since you were a child or there was it just something you had a passion for? Explain that for us. It, it probably happened in the most unconventional way, which is uh, after high school in Australia, I found myself in a very small country town uh, living there. And I just happened to be entered into a uh, an auctioneer competition, uh, which I didn't even want to enter in. And kind of looking back, um, you know, I went from this small country auctioneer competition to state finalist to Australia. And I just randomly it was like I ran into someone about a year later after winning that who then opened up a huge door for me and it it sort of all singled back to this very small dusty middle of nowhere uh town um which did really set things alight but I wouldn't recommend that way but yeah it was it was a certainly a lucky way for me so your passion was what always from from childhood what was it I think it probably changed a few times. Uh, it sort of went between surfing, um, sports, surfing, sport, and then I, I really got into filmmaking and real estate uh, as soon as I finished high school. And I did that by by studying. Mm. Were you a good surfer then? 
I, I did a few competitions, yeah. But see, the problem is when you say you're a good surfer, uh, everyone <laughs> in Australia is pretty good. Yeah, so, <laughs> I didn't know that. Gotta, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's but, like a, uh, a, a prerequisite, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There's some parts of Australia, there's not a lot to do but to go surfing. So people tend to be pretty good from a very young age. Mm. So I guess it was it was it tough to leave Australia? What part of Australia, first of all? So I, I grew up in Sydney and then okay. I went to a very small, small town, about 45 minutes drive from a place called Mudgee, um, okay. which I lived there for, for almost two years, which again, very different to where I was upbringing. And, and that seemed to be the start of everything, which I, um, I went on to do. So, so that's, you were born, right? Oh yeah. So born in Sydney, Australia. Okay. So yeah. I guess, and now you're living in Los Angeles, right? That's where you're Correct, living. Yeah. So uh, what was your first impression when you moved to LA? <laughs> I, okay, I can definitely remember this clearly because coming from someone in Australia who's done a lot of surfing and seen TV shows uh, where they show Beverly Hills and they show Bel Air and they show all those you know, amazing locations, I just remember flying in. And when you come from Australia to LAX, you kind of fly um, you know, over sort of more South Central, um, you know, over Santa Monica, but it's not this, you know, golden beaches and side of LA that they show you. It's just a lot of concrete. And I just remember kind of flying over being very amazed by the amount of concrete, but also the, uh, the, how vast it was. Um, and I, I never, I never forget though, the, the taxi ride that I had because they never Uber back then mm -hmm. I got in the taxi and the, the gentleman was like, yeah, I'm part owner of this restaurant, you know, come on down anytime. I'm also an actor. I drive, uh, I drive a taxi three days a week. And then he was telling me his other passion is he wants to start a music label. And I think that was a real hit home about LA where, you know, people are ambitious and they're really hustling for something. Uh, often you get in a, a, let's say now an Uber, but then a taxi, you know, that's all they kind of do. Like they put bread on the table, but in LA, people are very ambitious. So it was a good, uh, a good way to start off. I remember it. He gave me a lot of, he said, um, he said his best advice, because I asked him, have you got any advice about this town? And he said, oh, never date an actress. So <laughs> that was the advice he gave me. Why, why, why what was it? What was it? Yeah. Why did he ask that? I mean, what was the reason for that? Well, he, he was, he was alluding to the fact that he was like among a few things that he was doing, uh, you know, he was, he was an actor mm -hmm. and he was alluding to the fact that they're not the best people to date from his previous experience because he's in the same industry as them. Um, so I don't know whether he had bad experiences or <laughs> whether he, he uh, <laughs> just been unlucky. Um, tell me a little bit about real estate auctioneering. So, uh, in countries around the world, like Australia, New Zealand, the UK, uh, Europe, uh, auctioning your house by auction is probably just as common as for sale. Uh, America auctions tend to be, it's a distressed sale, you know, the bank's taking the house off. It's not such a nice look. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you go to, you know, some of the top agents around the world for, for franchises like Sotheby's and Christie's, um, their top agents do nothing but auction. Um, and the houses are not you know, distress sales, they're just, that's how you sell. So uh, where, when I sort of first got into it in Australia, it was 
you list a property for sale, you have a four-week campaign, and then you sell the property by auction. And the date, you know, if not sold prior before the auction day, you have a you have an auction on the property or or in an auction room, and it usually fetches a, a real premium price. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what what's involved? What are some of the most expensive or unique uh, homes that you've sold? I a lot of them have just gone over my head because there were some weeks back in Australia when I was I was doing it where I'd be doing you know thirty to fifty auctions a week. Uh, well, that's a lot. But yeah, um, I, I do remember I, I did a, a luxury auction event in the Caribbean. Uh, we did about a hundred. We did over one hundred fifty million dollars worth of property, uh, and I remember some of the some of the properties in the Caribbean uh, were unbelievable. You talk, you know, your island sort of house, huge. You get land, you get your own private beach. Uh, so some of those were quite incredible. Um, there was a property I, I auctioned where the house came with a Ferrari collection. No, uh, that was really? pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but see, the problem was with that property is, uh, so the guy had 12 Ferraris that were going to come with the property. Oh, only 12, I see. He'd, it was a big, it was a big sort of, you know, 30, 40,000 square foot home. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't sell at auction. It was, you know, it was a unique buyer that took a bit more time than, than bidding at the auction. But I just remember, yeah, describing that during the auction, uh, you know, you're selling the home plus if there's any car collectors out there or anyone interested in cars bidding, um, mm. it's certainly a unique opportunity. Wow. Do now forgive my ignorance, but do you, as an auctioneer, do you get commissions on what you sell or do you, do you have a, a salary that you make? How does that work? No, it's, it's a good question because it, it depends as well with what sort of setup you got. So some areas, uh, it's like you just take a fee. It's a flat fee, whether the property sells, doesn't sell, uh, sells prior, that's your fee. Um, other companies, it's you take a fee and you get a, a, a percentage once the bidding gets to a certain level, so almost like an incentive. And then there's the others where it's like, you know, you work with the agent, um, and the reason why, like to kind of put into perspective, some people, like for example, in, in the US, um, you know, it's roughly 6% commission selling, three to the seller, three to the, uh, the listing agent. So in Australia, it's usually about 1.6% commission. So there's less to work with in Australia. Uh, like I mentioned, the Caribbean, uh, are those options, uh, a lot more commission to play with. So you can say, hey, like, I'd like to negotiate, you know, this percentage of the commission. Um, so it, it sort of depends on on where you're working, what you can actually take home. Hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, tell me a little bit about your film career. That that is also where, in that very small <laughs> dusty country town, uh, the, the the film career also started to take off by by default. Um, I was loving real estate and working with that but just a side hustle i did is i made a 200 dollars short film um in the outback and i've told this story before but it literally looked like it had like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of art direction because you know we had these sweeping vistas there was this crop duster plane that happened to fly in the day we were shooting um thousands of acres of wheat fields and I had this this camera that I'd hired so the the $200 was basically to hire the camera and then some catering everything else was just favors 
<laughs> I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't find any. I could find a couple of guys at these regional radio stations to be actors. Um, and it got into the NBC Universal Shorts Fest, um, which was at the time, I believe, the only Australian film that got in. And then it was a finalist. Um, so they kind of looked at this thing and they thought, wow, you know, you must have had a huge budget to, to go all the way <laughs> to the middle of nowhere to, to shoot this thing. Um, I, yeah, it was $200. But you enjoyed it though, right? It was something fun, right? It was, it was a blast, yeah. It was, it was a blast because it was, it was the idea where uh, I was learning. And I think what I really enjoyed about it was the fact that it was, I, I guess you could say, a younger version of myself probably would have said, no, it's too hard to do because you don't have actors, you don't have a cinematographer, you don't have this, this, and this. And by that stage, the version of myself was like, hey, you know, you're going to have to be the editor, the director, the producer, by default, wearing quite a lot of hats to make it happen. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I love that because you're basically pushing yourself. And the worst thing that can happen is you learn more skills. But... Um, is that something that you think you'll you'll grow even more? Is that something that you want to do? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I I like the idea of constantly learning, and I guess signaling back to that first taxi uh, when I landed in Los Angeles, where that person had, you know, he had a, a good restaurant. You know, it was on Sunset near West Hollywood. It was, I think, a lot of people would have been very happy with just that. But he wants to be an actor, and he wants to also start the the music side, and he drives. A taxi and I think understanding that that if you don't push it too much but if you have a healthy balance of ambition I think that's that's a great way to live rather than just one thing your whole life and then wondering why you, you've stopped growing mm. tell me a bit a little bit about your perception of the people in, in California and in Los Angeles as maybe compared to the one in Australia give me something that um, you think it's strikingly, strikingly different. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think a part of you in the film industry has to learn at some point to not get offended. By, uh, like, as soon as, as soon as you get to LA, um, I, it, it's, it's. I feel it's very much like day to day because on some days you might say, "Hey, uh, I've just been around a lot of people that I would probably classify as very, you know, egocentric or disingenuous." And then the next day you'll be around people and you think, you know, this sort of evens it out. But I think in general, the biggest difference with people in California and in Los Angeles is it's a working town. So people are there to advance themselves and everybody's got a story. Like some people have come from Kansas. Some people have come from Bel Air. Some people have come from Germany, wherever they've come from, there's an expectation. And so I think, you sometimes don't get the real person. You get the person that is trying to become something else, um, which makes it less of a friendship or less of a communication and, and more of a business. I think in Australia, the difference is you get people that are perhaps, I mean, the, the big difference with Australia is the middle class. I mean, it's, it's quite easy to get into middle class in Australia because you have free healthcare, um, you know, every city is technically close to the beach, meaning you can buy a property, um, you know, in the lower end and you could still drive to the beach on the weekend. Um, whereas understanding in America, you know, you live in, in the middle, you just can't do that or Arizona. So I think, um, but 
at the same time, I think um, people in Australia tend to be a little bit less ambitious of like, there's a thing called tall poppy syndrome, which is uh, people love you to a point, but if you start doing something that's, you know, too good, there's a little less of that, like we're going to get behind you. And um, I guess that's all I'll say, but yeah, tall, tall poppy syndrome. And <laughs> in America, I think, you know, you start doing well and I think people do sort of get behind that quite a bit um and, and support the person but they've both got their pros and cons yeah i i totally understand now coming from a, a an act and a former actor myself i understand that in this particular industry in, in the entertainment industry is 90 percent who you know and 10 percent talent that that's what i was always taught and and, I, and i've gone to I met, I met some major movie stars, I have to be honest, because I've worked on um, different projects. For me, it was always fascinating because not only you're, you know, I mean, I was looking at Schwarzenegger, for example, who was only a couple feet away from me, or looking at, you know, Al Pacino. Al Pacino, by far, to me, he is the the best. He, I put him at the top of my list. So have you ever met anybody of that caliber that you you were like, wow, you get starstruck and you're like, have you have you met anybody like that? Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up Pacino because when I was back in Australia, uh, he came to the acting school that I was studying at one night. Oh, wow. And it kind of spread like wildfire. The, the acting school is called NIDA. Uh, and it's got a good reputation, you know, Mel Gibson, Kate Blanchett. So there was a reason he came there uh, on his Australian trip. And it was, there was just this vibe like around the school. Like he's here, you know, where is he at the moment? Um, <laughs> The the sad thing I never got to meet him because he was very selective of you know what uh, what classes he was going into that night and his time, but he had an aura like he, Al Pacino's in the building. Um, mm. So when you talk about like somebody that makes you starstruck, someone like that, you know De Niro, Pacino, yeah. uh, you know people that are I guess you could say like the talent really justifies the name. Yeah. Uh, but then there's been other times, and, and you know just as well, you know, LA, you can run into celebrities very, very easily, whether it be at Starbucks. And and often it's like, I think there's a difference between somebody that's got a, you know, a publicist that always makes them relevant, whether it's just, you know, clickbait. It's not actually talent. It's just the publicist says, hey, I'm going to put your name out there for, you know, 12 months, every month, whatever it is. And then you have the talent, you know, and you you sort of notice it. I, I remember I was on, uh, it was called The Great Gatsby, uh, the set, and DiCaprio watching yes. him work. Yes. And and that was just unbelievable because there was the the times that I saw him work on that was like you're watching just this person that was just so zoned in, um, so in the zone. And the scenes that, that I was there for, I hadn't even seen the movie, but there was Kerry Milligan and, and Tobey Maguire in them. Correct. And even when he didn't speak, he was stealing the scenes. Like his character was the focal point, even when he had no dialogue. And it was just, you know, unbelievable to watch. So that was another moment where you kind of, yeah, like you said, you get a little starstruck or you just get incredibly wowed. Um, and I think it all comes down to talent. Yeah. I mean, and resilience, right? We, we talk about resilience right. a lot. And I mean, I'm sure resilience has played a, a huge part in your success, correct? Of course, yeah. I mean, the the I, I guess you could say like starting from a country town to 
to um to beverly hills is like this i've been a <laughs> there's been a lot of walls in the middle it hasn't just been like a plane ticket wow and of course i'm sure you faced many challenges right along the way of course yeah a lot because i i think the big thing about the anything you do like the bigger the the risk the bigger the reward but there's also like the bigger the risk you take the the, the further you fall if it doesn't work out mm. so um i think that's something that sometimes i've taken jump or leaps and, and jumped and it hasn't quite landed and you feel the fall a bit more uh-huh. but then there's other times when you take the same leap and you know it works out and and you kind of jump or leapfrog you know four or five places right so here's here's something that i wanted to ask you since this is a a, a podcast on, on more of on the fitness level but you said you are a uh, a surfer so in order to be a surfer you have to be in shape correct i, I mean any sport that you do you got to be in shape so was there some sort of a a, a regimen that you had to uh endure or something that you practice in order to become a good surfer or yeah it's a good question because i i'm i'm laughing when you say you have to get in shape because you're not wrong you're not wrong because right. it's one of the few sports i think you know golf and and many other sports you know you can be out of shape and you can still you know have a great round of golf or play a great game Correct. whatever right but surfing um a lot of cardiovascular sort of working or workout that you do i think mm-hmm. you have to have a, a level of fitness um the, the main thing with surfing is I, I think you have to, first of all, get your breathing under control. And I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. But the reason why I sort of single that out, first of all, is, you know, everything's unpredictable. Like you might go for a surf one day and it's three feet. You might go for a surf the next day and it's, it's 10 feet. But you have to be able to, you know, duck dive, hold your breath and be prepared to get, you know, three or four sets on the head uh, and then still be paddling. So that level of fitness that you're talking about, which first of all, if you're not fit and you get three sets on the head, you know, you're going to start having trouble breathing. Um, so getting yourself in, in that particular shape or getting yourself in shape where you can, first of all, just be out there, I think is, is the main thing. Uh, you know, a lot of paddling, um, and also just strengthening your back. A lot of people don't realize, but it actually, for me, what really helped a lot is I got into swimming at a young age where, you know, you're swimming, you know, two, three kilometers uh, a day, um, you know, in the pool at the gym, instead of say lifting weights, but you're actually getting your back really, really well aligned. And you know, the spinal cord as well. Like you can tell a swimmer's body, you know, is their spine straight. And mm-hmm. if it's curved like that, just get them in the pool and then they'll, they'll, straighten they'll up, have yeah. a straight spine after a couple of months training. Um, but I think those two are really big things to, to keep in consideration. Yeah, your fitness to be able to obviously duck dive and then swimming is a great thing for back muscles and strengthening it. Of course. Do you continue to exercise up to today or is there something special you do? Or I, I would love to say more. My biggest problem at the moment is just I was so spoiled as a, you know, living in Australia where you can access the beach. I feel, you know, if you're, if you're in L.A., you have to either leave early to go up the PCH to get to Malibu or you have to stay in Malibu for, for most of the day as you come back on the traffic. So there's probably a little less surfing than I love would love, but um, I dream. I dream for it to change. <laughs> All right. So here, here's my question out of left field here for you. Where do you see yourself five years from now? I, I'd love to say 
with the same hunger to keep learning what I'm learning at the moment uh, in the film industry and looking at uh, technology, um, something to invest my time in now, learning about technology AI to apply that to film uh, and real estate more. Mm. So you see yourself as a success in both industries? Yeah, I, I mean, my, my, my plan at the moment without sounding arrogant would be to take what I've learned with the, the real estate and look to partner that more with technology so that it's not saying, hey, you know, I learned it and I'm never going to use it again. Uh, and to dive deeper into the, the film industry with, uh, you know, partnering up with on the producing, the directing side with implementing AI and, and technology, even if it's just the small things like investing and learning. There's a great program, Adobe Firefly. You can sort of see how that what that can do with editing now is like 12 years ahead of, um, you know, in one go, basically the, uh, what it's planning on being able to do is like 12 year leap. So if you can master Firefly, um, all of a sudden you're going to be, you know, in a position to be able to, to really do good work. A couple more questions. Anything of advice that you can give to anybody who is thinking about either going into an auctioneering field or the entertainment field, what, what would that advice be? I would say the advice would be is do it for the right reasons. Um, I mean, you, you, you had a very good point before, which I'd love to get your opinion actually after this question too on, uh, you know, California and your experience and how you sort of talk about people. But I think both industries, there's going to be times when it's, it's not going to have the luxury of, for example, you look at, and I'm throwing out an example, but let's say you're a doctor or a lawyer, mm -hmm. you're on a salary, um, you know, you can plan out things such as holidays, there's a level of stability. And I think if you're in the entertainment industry or even the auctioneer industry where you want stability, but you also want to do it, uh, be an actor or director, writer, whatever it is, I think you have to be honest with yourself that there's not going to be that stability. Like there's not going to be that, well, like I'll have 12 months this year, 12 months that year of the same income and I can get a house and a mortgage. It's, you're going to have to ride a roller coaster. And the days that you don't enjoy it, it's like, well, would I prefer to be riding this roller coaster doing what I want to do? Or would I prefer to be playing it, you know, slightly more stable? And that's a choice for you. But I think people have just got to be honest because, um, yeah, I have met a lot of people in L.A. and from Australia as well. And they think it's like Entourage or they think it's like a TV show where you, <laughs> you know, everybody's kind to you, everything comes to you and you just sit around and wait for the phone to ring and go to parties. And it's, yeah, it's a business and it's, it has a lot of, um, you know, ups and downs. Yeah. I think that's the thing that most people don't realize that it is a business, you know, the ones that really want to, um, you know what I mean? Make a difference and really have, have no limitations. I mean, it's a tough business, but whatever you choose it, it's, it's like, really bad i mean it's tough yeah. i think the thing that people don't understand as well and you you said it before like 90 percent the people you know 10 percent talent i think there's that moment as well where you you have to look at it like and i go back to again the doc the dentist which is you study really well as a, a doctor you get good marks uh you know throughout all your you know practical and, and theory study you'll get a good job at the end, you know, like a, a good hospital or a good private practice will take you on. The thing about the entertainment industry is you can do everything right. And then the person that, you know, it's a part-time 
you know, gym instructor who doesn't even want to be an actor suddenly gets an audition to be in a pilot and then gets the lead role with no acting experience. Or it could be, you know, nepotism, or it could be the person who's, you know, family. I mean, the one thing I, I see a lot is a lot of people, uh, you know, they come from all, all over, but their family funds the film, you know, um, as long as their son or daughter is the lead role. And no one knows uh, but them. But it's like, in a lot of cases, the person that's waiting for, you know, tables every day uh, for three years straight, hoping for their big break, looks at that and think, you know, it's not fair. That's the industry you're going into where everybody's, you know, they've got their own little way of, of trying to maneuver. And I think you have to be comfortable with that rather than fight it. Yeah. Rejection. Listen, you're going to get rejected no matter what you do in life. It's just that the people that can take that rejection and turn it into a positive experience or a positive energy, I think are the ones that are going to probably be, you know, successful and, uh, yeah enjoy what you do right that's that's the key so enjoy the ride yeah enjoy the ride while it lasts so uh two more questions social media i'm sure you have a social media presence share with our audience what your social media handles are uh if, if anyone wants to connect love to chat anytime uh for instagram james underscore pratt seven uh twitter is the same james underscore pratt seven uh youtube james pratt official and LinkedIn, uh, James Pratt official. So, and if people want to reach out to you through a, a cell phone or whatever, what is what is that number? I th I think the best thing is probably just to email. And I only say that because if you reach out to me, there's a chance I may be in Canada or Australia or the U.S. <laughs> at some point during the year. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want you to be charged like you know ten dollars for this now. But the the best way just uh, prattfilms at gmail.com. Uh, all lowercase. Okay, awesome. Well, listen, James, this has been a pleasure. It's been an honor. I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And if there's anything I can do for you, you please, you let me know. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show again. And uh, I am sure I will see you somewhere up in light somewhere. And when I do, I'm going to come and see you <laughs> for sure. You go surfing. I look forward to surfing. <laughs> yeah. All right, James. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, best of luck for everything. Thank you very much. I really appreciate having the chat. Okay. Thank you, James. Bye-bye. Well, that is it for this episode of A Fit Life. I want to thank our guest again, Mr. James Pratt, for a very interesting conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Any comments or questions you'd like to submit, you can do so at Araldo Meglara on Instagram and Twitter. In closing, if you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For a fit life, I am Araldo Meglara here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.